Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I am your host, Brianna Toiber. Hello, I am Eric Silver. I am the head of creative at Multitude Productions, a podcast collective and studio based in Brooklyn, New York. I am the dungeon master of Join the Party, a real play podcast that I think is the most accessible and best sounding Dungeons and Dragons podcast out there. Uh, I'm also the co-host of <laughs> Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for wins and losses. And I am also the writer of the audio sitcom that is coming out next Tuesday. God, I don't even know. That's insane that is in eight days and six plus eight is 14 coming out on april 14th called next stop and everyone should listen subscribe to april on april 14th uh when episode one comes out oh that's exciting i think i've seen something about that but honestly i had kind of forgotten Ooh, we should do better marketing about that but everyone's gonna see it it's an audio sitcom it's gonna be we already have a teaser uh where we got uh brian david gilbert from polygon he plays a verizon yes he plays a verizon (laughs) uh like wi-fi person and episode one is gonna come out and we're also releasing a a research paper and a giant resource on how to make fiction podcasts that anyone can have for free I know some people you'd probably get along with really well. My life is half D&D and other role-playing games, and then the other half of it is audio dramas, and then I do interview shows, because that makes sense, apparently. <laughs> Listen, it sounds like we're in the same boat, so steer them to yeah. this episode, and I'll tr- try to sound as interesting as possible. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this is going to be a lot of fun, because I was like, I was poking around some of your stuff i'm like oh yeah we're gonna get along really well absolutely (laughs) huge story nerd so i know some of the stuff you're doing now but why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what all you did and how you got into podcasting Sure. Right when I came out of college, I was actually a high school English teacher. Uh, I got my master's in English education uh, and I worked at a New York City public school. And that was even in 2013 when I graduated. It's still like that idea that you can't do anything with an English degree. It's like, what, you're going to write and people are going to pay you for it? You're going to do creative things and that's a job? Like, absolutely not. Even though that was still like the heyday of when all of that was happening. So I thought that uh, being an English teacher was something that I had always wanted to do. And I loved all of my English teachers. And I'm like, I have enough energy to do do this. And it was an amazing experience. And I loved my students. But like teaching is really... Not only is it incredibly hard, but I just don't think people like understand how much work goes into it. And uh, uh, the high school that I was working at also had like a grade fixing scandal by the end of the year. Oh, boy. Yeah, I got burned out on teaching very, very fast. And I was getting up at five and I had a car in New York City. And the only thing that was like tethering me to the rest of the world when I was not like stuff in in traffic or lesson planning or, or grading or all this stuff was my radio i had a radio in the car and i was listening to wnyc and then i finally i found podcasts and i was putting it on i'm like i love the storytelling that can be done while you're doing something else like while you are stuck in a situation where you have to do work or uh so like you're putting in data into a spreadsheet or you're driving or you're washing dishes I'm like, i like that I'm, I'm somewhere else while this is happening and i felt like podcasting was just calling to me same yeah 
<laughs> and after bouncing around to a bunch of different jobs after that, I worked at a an app that told you in like a cool way with gifts about what the weather was. I worked at a big radio company that really didn't know the first thing about podcasting, even though they said that they did. Uh, and a lot of other stuff like that. We multitude in the podcast that I, I worked on joined the party starting a D&D podcast because I just wanted a a good sounding Dungeons and Dragons podcast to be out there when this was just like when it was just Taz and Critical Role that was like breaking mm-hmm. through the surface. I wanted to make all this stuff and slowly after creating and working hard at this, uh, we were a- I was able to quit my job and really go full time on Multitude with Amanda McLaughlin, our CEO and founder. How long did it take you to get to the point where you were full time? Oh, man. From when Join the Party started to full time? Join the Party started in May 2017, but we started doing pre-production on it earlier than that. So let's say it was like the beginning of 2017. And we both went full time at the same time just because of the way that our our lives had shook out. I feel like we went full time like a year ago-ish in September. Yeah, in September 2019. That sounds about right for how long it takes to quote unquote make it as a podcaster. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. And I mean, I was already working at jobs, like audio jobs for a while, and then trying to do something, spinning it off and going full time and working on podcasts that were only my podcasts, I feel like was really important. And uh, yeah, it took like two two full years to get that going. Yeah, that's impressive. But you stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, I started another show, basketball show with uh, Mike Schubert, and and we had gotten contracts, multitude, the the, the entity, because we have like the podcast collective on one side and the company on the other side. We had gotten a job to like help a radio station market their podcasts, and we're like, oh, you're gonna get paid just to consult and help you with this? Like, we can offer our skills to you in this other way. We don't just need to like make a podcast into thin air, and then we get a million downloads, and then we get shaker and spoon, and then we get like MeUndies ads, and then we can go full time. Like, you don't, you're not just my favorite <laughs> murder. So it was, it was nice knowing that I could be like a professional, be a consultant, do all this stuff, which is part of the stuff that I do as head of head of creative at Multitude and also do the podcast and like be a dungeon master and talk about basketball and now write a sitcom. What was the conversation that went into deciding to create Multitude? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so originally we were just this collective model, six of us, me, Amanda, Mike Schubert, Eric Schneider and Julia Schifini, who are the co-host and editor of Spirits, and Brandon Grugel, who created Join the Party with me. We were working on these three shows, and this is even before Horse was started, but we were just like recommending each other and tweeting at each other and going to conferences together. So we're just like, all of this should be under the same umbrella. Like we're already recommending each other. We had figured out that a network, all it really did was sell your ads and put it under someone else's name. So we're like, hey, if we just all work together and Amanda can sell ads for us, like we can be a network of our own, but instead of having a centralized power in so many ways and not own our own shows, we can have this collective model where we all work together and we pool resources and we lean on each other. And then from now we're at four main shows now that we created Horse. From there, we have making more shows now. We have one that's like for subscribers only under our memberful for Multitude. And now we're making the sitcom, making Next Stop. And we just premiered a pilot of a new show that Mike just started, a new game show. And like we just get to lean on each other which is so nice 
And I mean, this happened like right before PodCon one original PodCon, PodCon original flavor. And that honestly feels like so long ago. You know, that was like less than two years ago. I cannot believe that. Feels like a lifetime, but also just yesterday. Yeah. Like PodCon two was in January 2019. Like wrap your head around that. That is nuts. I only remember this because when we first started going full-time in Multitude, when it was me, Amanda, and Brandon were full-time Multitude people, we just like made a calendar just to write down all of our successes and all of the important events. So we looked at, we just like, we're looking through emails and we're like, PodCon 2 was six months ago when we did this exercise. And it still feels like it was just a little while ago. I imagine it feels a little surreal. I mean, especially now, everything feels really surreal. The world is kind of shut down and everyone's just like, podcasts! <laughs> yeah, I mean, even now, people are saying that they listen to less podcasts because podcasts are for commutes, really. And, like, people don't know what to do with their hands when they listen to podcasts at home. Even though you can, like, do laundry or just, like, do anything. I play video games when I listen to podcasts, mostly. But, like, there's always going to be a need to have, like, a very immersive feeling and really have like thing stories in your ears that doesn't require your eyes you know video requires two of your senses you have to hear it and you have to see it and i feel like it's really important just like as humans it's like that's why we have books is like we just want to read something and we come up with it in our brain and i think that it's kind of like the opposite with podcasting we just want to hear it and then we generate this stuff in our brain i feel like it's so imaginative especially when we're just looking at the same walls over and over and over again we need podcasts to like keep us centered or to have us like think about things every once in a while. If you think about it, like with podcasting, listening to people tell you a story, it harkens back to like part of why it's comforting is because we're you like we're taught from a very young age that person reading to you very comforting. Mm-hmm. So like po- some podcasting, I feel like it taps into that. Plus, it feels like you're there with people, which helps with the isolation. Yes, I love that. That's honestly my favorite part about podcasts is the fact that, like, the conversation is in your brain. Isn't that what earbuds are? They're like, let's try to inject this as close to your brain as possible. (laughs) So that's honestly why I like it, too. That's great. When you first started doing this, what did your friends and family think? Oh, my God. The number of times that my family told me to go back to teaching, to look for another teaching job, that maybe it wasn't like the school, like, oh, the school was messed up. Maybe you can just do another one. And then I had to, like, explain to them what podcasts were, too. It was just like a lot. My friends, I mean, we were all struggling at the same time. The funny thing is that, like, let's see, I graduated from undergraduate college in 2012, and then I got my master's degree in 2013. That was like at the end of the blogging boom, like living in New York City, I was so aware of this because like I went to NYU as well. So it was like everyone was getting internships at like Gawker (laughs) and at like the Village Voice and all of these websites that you would remember existed. But then like suddenly those jobs started drying up. It's like we were told that you could get a job in Internet media and that that was going to be a real job and you'd make like $60,000 a year and you're 23. But then immediately, as soon as those, as soon as we got out of college and it was like 2015, no one wanted to pay for blogging anymore. And we're seeing the decline of that, especially with like all these people getting laid off, all these unions getting like getting kicked in the shins. So it's like it's only been precipitous from there. It's like there were no stable media jobs. It was just like, hey, why don't you try to be a creative person at a tech startup and learn to code? 
Like those were the only choices. So all my friends, we were all struggling through all those things. I mean, one of my friends was a film major, but then he started working for a snack food company in Connecticut. And now he lives in LA being a tech guy. Uh, my best friend, like she was doing videos for at the same company for such a long time. And now they've like finally figured out Instagram TV and Instagram live. So now she has like a very important and good job. So it's about just like struggling at these creative jobs and just like trying to see what happens living in New York city, which is an expensive city, but like, what is the cheapest apartment I can live in with my friends in like the strangest place? Yeah. I can't even imagine. I have a cousin that I think she still lives in New York, but I've only been there once. I live north of Dallas actually. Oh, nice. And it's it's rough. Like, I got my degree in journalism public relations with a minor in business. And in the past year, I have found the most stable job I have ever had, and it's in retail. Of course. Well, at least you even tried to get the business the business back up. Like I tried being a business major. I hated accounting so much. It was bad. I actually, like, started suffering from depression and anxiety and had to get counseling. I mean, it's not a fun time. I mean, shout out accounting for revealing that to you. And now you got the help you needed to like good. But, you know, yeah. it's so funny because we spent all this time and I remember this working at this big company. I was just like everyone was told to do everything. The worst part about working at a startup or some any place that sees themselves as a startup is that everyone should do everything. So it's like, hey, why don't you write? Why don't you write some copy? And also you get to record on this microphone and also you get to learn how to edit and also you get to like learn the back end and learn some business stuff and learn this organizing. It's like, no, people actually have skills and things that they're good at. And we should, we can rely on those things. So I finally got an opportunity. I'm like, I'm not that good at numbers. Like, that's okay. Like Amanda is amazing at numbers. I'm like, I don't know anything about mixing audio and Brandon actually knows how to do that. And I finally got the opportunity to be the creative person. Like I get to write a thing or I get to write a script or I get to run a Dungeons and Dragons game and people will actually believe that I'm good at that thing. Like my coworkers believe in my ability to do things like that's so valuable. And it took so long for me to get that from any professional area. I didn't get that until uh, we ended up doing multitude until I, I went off on my own. We always say during like when we make presentations about like how to put your, your podcast crew together, think of this as like an adventuring party in Dungeons and Dragons. Like you wouldn't try to make your fighter learn how to heal somebody. You just wouldn't. Or you wouldn't make your sorcerer like go out and try to track food, but you rely on the skills that they have. That sorcerer's gonna get fed up and burned down the forest. Exactly, because it's de- and it's detrimental when you put the wrong person out there, or they'll feel bad that they did a bad job. It's like you got to rely on the strengths that you have in your party, or you're not going to do anything, and it's just going to be discouraging. And being able to be a creative person, like professionally, for the first time, has been so so much of a lift of a burden off of my soul. When I had to try to convince people that like, no, actually, I'm better at writing than you. What you're describing is kind of my life goal. Not yeah. gonna lie. Isn't that the wildest thing, though? Like, everyone knows how to write. Everyone, no, everyone, sorry, let me say that again. Everyone thinks they know how to write. Because it's one of those soft skills that everyone thinks that they're good at. You know, this is why everyone's like, oh, yeah, I could write a movie or a novel if I just like had a time in the idea. Because it's like this soft skill that since everyone learned how to do it when they were in like sixth grade and they learned how to write an essay in high school, they're like, oh, yeah, I could write an email. But like 
nah, you can't write an effective email, but it's so difficult to convince someone who has already like tried to do something that they're, there's somebody who might be better for the job. And it's just like, yeah, cause it's, there, there's a difference between being able to write in that you can put words on a paper and being able to craft those words into a story and into characters that feel so real. It's sound, it you feel like you actually know them personally. Mm-hmm. Right. And not even that it's like, Oh no, actually I should be writing this copy that people are going to read on a website because you don't actually understand grammar <laughs> or like, you're not going to use words that are engaging. Like even from like a straight business business start, it's so hard to convince someone that you actually know how to write. And it's, Seriously, once in college, had this dude. He was like a entrepreneur. He was an entrepreneurship major, and we both worked in the oh. computer lab. Yo, big, big red flag, red flag, right there. Anyone who willingly calls himself an entrepreneur, you just gotta worry about. He makes music. He's actually pretty good at it, from what I remember. So that was kind of the closest that he felt like that'd be the most useful, but. He would sometimes have me like read, like read over things like, hey, what do you think about this email? He was having me go over an essay and we spent like 15 minutes arguing like, you need to change this word because what you think, like what you, what you're trying to say is this word, what you're using, but the word you're using is not the same. I had literally had to pull out a dictionary to prove to him that I was right. And then you hit him over the head with the book and you ran away and you never talked to him ever again. Yeah. And it's always so much fun when I'm telling someone about story ideas. Like, you know, you could do this or you could do this. I'm like, hold up. Like, I'm just kind of sharing the idea out loud. If I was stuck and wanted help. Yes. And let you know. I have people that I go to for that. Sometimes I just want to talk it out loud. I just want to tell you what I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes you get stuck and you have to start talking out loud with people. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to know a little bit more about Join the Party because I I have I've, I have subscribed I have some downloads episodes downloaded but I haven't started really listening to it yet. Oh, um, Brianna, you're missing out, girl. I'm tr- I, I'm telling you. I have it downloaded. I also have a really big backlog, but it's been moved up the list. Please listen. Please do. What do I have to do to convince you to listen Listen to the podcast? I was actually probably going to listen to it later today while I do laundry. That sounds great. That's exactly what you needed to do. Well, if you waited a day, the first episode of our second campaign is coming out coming out tomorrow. It is set in a modern, feel like futuristic world. And there's like, it's super powered, inflected is the style of story we're going off of. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, we've already played like seven sessions and the first episode is coming out tomorrow. And then it's like almost two hours long and it's going to be pretty sick. I listen to it. It's, it's a oh very my good gosh, yes. What are some of the challenges that come with running a D&D podcast? Oh, that's a great question. I think, hmm, I think it's about trying to be better than the majority of like of shows out there more than any other genre except for maybe true crime there are just like so many real play podcasts so many 
So many. And getting yourself to stand out is always the most important thing. We started doing the party back in 2017. And my job at the time was for this like podcasting company. They were like trying to solve the idea of podcast discovery. And it was my responsibility to listen to a bunch of podcasts and recommend them. So I was listening to Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. And the majority of them, even this is back in 2017, but the problem still persists today because of the growth of everything, is that like they were just so mediocre. And they weren't for like very specific reasons. They never made jokes like about the world. It was just like the players making dumb jokes to each other. Uh, there was also the idea that it was like very nerd centric. You needed to be a very specific type of nerd to get their humor. And of course, that nerd was a straight cis white male who ha had this like very specific diet of pop culture from like the late 80s, 90s and 2000s. And not only that, a lot of them were like pretty fucking gross. Like if... We hear this now about the join the party. They call us a PG podcast because every every single D&D podcast has like dicks in it. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is like in join the party. We swear and we talk about drinking and dumb stuff all the time. But the fact that we're not just like balls to the wall makes us a PG podcast. And then finally, like a lot of these podcasts sounded bad. It was like someone put a microphone in the middle of the room and they would just record them playing the game. We're like, we're not going to do that. We also wanted to make this actually accessible for people to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons. If you weren't a huge like D&D &D person yet, like you haven't learned all the rules or you've never actually played a game, you've only listened to D&D &D podcasts or watched D&D &D videos, you should be able to follow along and we can teach you how to play and also like orient you uh, with how we are playing the game. So we started Join the Party. We wanted to be the most accessible and best sounding Dungeons & Dragons podcast out there. And I think that we tried really hard and I think we achieved it. We have after parties after every episode in the first campaign, but now every two in the second campaign. Or we just talk about like what I did, what I did as a dungeon master or why we made these choices or how the players relate to the actual game itself. And of course, taking listener questions, uh, both our first campaign and this campaign has like an orientation guide to Dungeons and Dragons. Our first one, we had literal like comments butting into the actual episodes and be like, oh, this is what a skill check is. This is why you have to roll this dice. This is what role playing is. Uh, and we were really <laughs> proud of setting that up and actually being able to teach people how to play Dungeons and Dragons from this. And also just like we have a very opening and open armed game. It is not that difficult for me to just be like, yeah, orcs aren't necessarily in the fantasy world that we were in, in the first campaign. Be like, yeah, orcs aren't evil. Like all that dumb like racial coding that uh, Lord of the Rings put into all those games. Like that's just not real. Mm -hmm. You know, like not all goblins are Jewish, you know, uh, and uh, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like the there is a common uh, idea that like the face of the, the goblin is just like coded like Jewish stereotype. You can see it in you see it in Harry Potter, how all of the, the there are goblins who work for Gringotts and they have big noses. And they want to know like what all the money is going to like. That's all. That's like the fantasy tropes that so many fantasy worlds like indulge in. And that all came from Lord of the Rings. How like the elves are beautiful and they're blonde and they're blue eyed and the dwarves li live underground and have and like are bad and have big beard like and are treated like dirt. It's just it's all this like coding that is inex uh, inextricable from like the fantasy genre. And we decided, like, we just don't want to, that's not the kind of game we want to do in, to play in. That's not the kind of people that we wanted to uh, invite into the world. And everything else, we were like, well, come here with open arms. We, we have plenty of uh, queer ladies for you to have crushes on. 
we wanted to create a world and both in the podcast world and the actual like fantasy world that we were playing in that like we wanted to be in and just it's it's supposed to be escapist. So why would we put the same hate that we have to deal with in our real world into that one as well? Exactly. It's actually surprising how many people I've seen where they will intentionally take a character that's usually portrayed, take a race that's usually portrayed in a certain way, and then twist it. I met a Goliath druid. I met a one like a woman who lived among orcs for a while. I met a half orc that was really soft spoken druid. Mm-hmm. I've heard talk of a gnome barbarian i'm trying to find one to get on my podcast hasn't happened yet but that's awesome there are definitely a lot of stereotypes that show up i I very much appreciate things that media that goes out of its way to break that stereotype yeah i think it's the responsibility of the people making the media to decide like have that media literacy and understand what we're doing here but then the, since the the viewers then are then introduced to Dungeons and Dragons through the Adventure Zone, Dimension 20, not another D&D podcast, Venture Maintenance, I could go on. Then they see they're like, oh, no, this isn't the way the like, why are drow bad? Like, why are orcs bad? You know, like you can play whatever you want to play because they're getting it like people are getting exposed to Dungeons and Dragons so much more interesting and like emotional and like intentional ways that i think that the explosion of like good dungeons and dragons media is for the best and i feel like join the party is trying to be at the forefront of that i definitely agree with that and appreciate that i actually have a drow paladin who did kind of serve an evil witch king for the first 200 years of her life but don't we all when when someone sort of opened her eyes to the fact that you could be something else, and then something happened and to make the most of the world think she's dead. She joined a paladin order. I like that. That sounds great. And changed her there name. There you go. And my DM knows if anyone uses her true name, she's going to try and kill them immediately because that's not a good person. <laughs> sure. And I'm sure that that's not a metaphor for anything and anyone's feelings about uh, how they're named or not. Not exactly how I meant that, but that is fair. But like if you were, I know that you're doing this for yourself, but like if someone were to do that and then it was like on a podcast or on a video, like I can see how people would feel welcomed by that idea because you're doing something that is bucking the trend and metaphorical because it is media. Like you can be critical of it and feel things like not actually like dismissive critical, but like being thoughtful about ideas about Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's important. And it's something that we really care about. Um, in the newest campaign that we just put together, do we also like it's not even fantasy. Like it's set in this future futurism city because a, a mad scientist found a new renewable source of energy. There's like a future, like a future city where like in upstate New York that has now bloomed to the size of Portland. And that's where our D&D game takes place. And like using Dungeons and Dragons mechanics in a modern or like futurist or a superhero-esque genre is just a lot of fun, and we can do a lot of other things that are divorced from that kind of, like, bullshit fantasy expectation. I like that a lot. You're going to like our podcast, Brianna, I promise. Yeah, I'm like, I also have some people you would get along with very well, because I have have an audio drama friend, Ian Humphrey of Under the Shroud, where he very much likes to buck fantasy traditions. Listen, everyone can listen to Join the Party and we can all talk about it. I would love that. That would be very nice. 
I'll bug you a bit once I'm caught up. Please, please do. Listen, the first episode comes out tomorrow, so definitely get on that train. Absolutely. Four world building episodes. You're going to love it. I do work in a bookstore, so pretty much whenever there's someone next to the D&D stuff, I'll look over and talk to them. Smart. And if they're kind of new to it, I have to recommend the Adventure Zone just because when they start out, they don't know anything. But I have a feeling that's quickly going to switch to join the party because I have, like, the way you've described it, your show is going to be a lot more accessible for people who have no idea what they're doing. That's, like, explicitly what we're going for. Yeah, we literally have two episodes of the first arc that say beginners start here. And that's where we jump in and we tell people, like, how to play the actual game. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, a lot of people have taught themselves how to play D&D starting with that and we're it it grows our heart three sizes every time it happens. It's it's uh, stunning to know that someone's Dungeons and Dragons journey starts with our silly fun podcast. Does it ever stop being really surreal to see people like your stuff? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh no, it absolutely doesn't. In the beginning, it was more the place that I was at creatively, which you could kind of get from the beginning of this interview, was that, like, I just wanted people to recognize that I was doing good work. And, like, I felt vindicated when people felt connected to it, but then also amazed that it was happening at the same time. And now, like, three years later, I'm just kind of, like, pushing myself to keep doing things that people like. I mean, as Dungeons & Dragons media has expanded, I found so many other things that I can make that I want to be better like finding the uh, dimension 20 the college humor dropout series like that is now what I aspire to be because all of those players make amazing choices and the dungeon master is so smart and like emotionally devastating to his characters in a way that is so earned and I I'm like finding new ways to push myself as well so it's like I want people to love the things that I do because like that's who I am and that's why I talk and make up stories on microphones. But at the same time is like I hope that I'm worthy of people still thinking my shit is cool, especially like now we're starting a whole new story. So I don't even know. Like, hopefully, and I'm getting positive feedback from the players as we're playing, and we've shown some people the, the, the podcast, but like I'm, you know, I put a lot of emotions into this stuff. So I just really hope so. Yeah, I imagine it takes a lot of work, but there's just something that's kind of addicting about storytelling, especially when you're sharing it with people and doing it with people. Like, whenever, like, I had three D&D sessions this past weekend. It was nuts. Oh, and, congratulations. Like, after each of them, I just kind of geek out to my mom about, like, what happened with my character. And she's like, you're talking about it. Like, it's real. I'm like, my half-elf druid? who doesn't fully realize she's a druid is very real to me. And I adore her in her new vampire, half vampire. <laughs> I not even like an ima imaginations are real. It's like you are the thing about role-playing games is that you're literally role-playing it. You're literally in it. Of course it's real. Of course you're feeling those feelings. Have you ever thought about playing with different TTRPG systems? You know, that's an incredibly good question. I love hacking other tabletop role-playing games and putting them on top of my Dungeons & Dragons game. Uh, the way that we actually built the city, Lake Town City, that started out from this, from Lake Town, this, like, really small, like, think Lake Placid, upstate New York. I guess, like, in Texas, this would be, like, a, like, dusty West Texas, like, 
where Friday Night Lights is set sort of thing, but then it bursts into a city. We made that by using A Quiet Year by Avery Adler, which is this amazing map building, like world building game. And we played over two sessions and then it became our city. It's like I hacked it together and I asked some questions that would fit for our for our city. I learned this from Friends at the Table, which is like the paragon of doing weird stuff with other games. And I love Austin Walker and all the work that they do over there. I also love taking like the, cer- the time circles from uh, Blades in the Dark and other Powered by the Apocalypse games and putting it into Dungeons and Dragons. I have a thought that Dungeons and Dragons is the best game for podcasts. I think it's the game that people will like the most. And also like there is a uh, a level of understanding that you can have like a base level of understanding without knowing like all the specific rules and reading the player's manual and knowing everything from front to back. Then you can still enjoy a Dungeons and Dragons game. That's just like my theory and why I love Dungeons and Dragons. We spend so much time teaching people how to play D&D than saying like, okay, we're going to play masks now. Like that would just be a little complicated because I feel a responsibility that my listeners know the game that we're making the podcast about. That's that's fair. I understand that. I'm, my friends and I have been talking about doing a podcast where we do a bunch of different like one shots or short runs using different systems. I think that those really those smaller game systems like we've played one shots with those one pagers like uh, Honey Heist and uh, oh dang Mothman was only supposed to be here for the weekend but he's still here. Those are very easy to understand and I think but like teaching people how to do the other ones I feel like very responsible that everyone is on the same page uh, because like I'm the one I'm a big gaming nerd but also I'm a teacher so I want them to understand what's happening. I totally understand though like if I could play a game of inspectors on a on a podcast like i absolutely would it's a cross between ghostbusters and the real world it's like there's a startup ghost fighting or monster fighting business and you need to deal with like the realities of the game of your work with like the fact that it's all spooky monsters and and cryptids and stuff and then you have like confessionals like you go into the like on the real world where like the camera is pointed at you and you can just like have commentary on it it'd be super fun and it's actually like the plot is very player pushing but like i would have to te- i would feel very responsible to teach people how to play and like have like a real like walk through like le- like session zero we all understand like we're all on the same page about how what's going on here so if you were doing a different one it would have to be someone else leading it and you just playing otherwise you would feel compelled to teach not even that like anything that's under the join the party banner i feel like is about accessibility so like i would go on a different game like if someone taught asked me like hey do you want to be in my blades of the dark game i'd be like yeah i'll do it but anything that's like join the party affiliated i feel like is about education and teaching and accepting just as much as it's about the game you know because you want to help people be able to join the party exactly see brianna you're gonna love join the party listen to it i am i am once i'm done with once we're done here okay (laughs) after i download everything and make sure all the technology cooperated because if it didn't i'm going to cry i think you'll be okay but remember i'm recording locally over here so i think you're good true it's so nice interviewing other podcasters <laughs> listen that's why i offered i offered my services i want to make it as easy as possible yeah also i saw that i was like oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you i appreciate that because you're working on some cool stuff and i'm also someone who very much enjoys and is kind of in love with the kind of storytelling you can do through audio whether you're doing like an actual play thing or 
kind of like or something that's improv or something that's scripted there's just this level of storytelling where the person feels like they're there absolutely and i'm kind of obsessed with it because also like right now the world is shut down and everything feels like it's on fire and i just found out like what four or five days ago that i've been furloughed and essentially don't well i'll have a job when all this is over it's it's a tough time, and I've been listening to so many podcasts and so many audio dramas. I understand. It's an escape. Listen, you're going to love Next Stop. The fact we wanted to make a sitcom because we just wanted to have like a, a real actual sitcom podcast out there, but now it feels... I don't want to say it feels important, but like, I cannot believe that this is, I'm excited for people to listen to the episodes and hopefully escape for like 30 minutes and laugh about stuff. It's it's really silly. You know, before I felt like a little self-conscious about this, but now I think it's real. This is like, it feels like in World War II, like the victory gardens where like people, you're like, hey, make your own vegetables so that you're not getting the vegetables that are going over the troops, you know, or it's like, no, we're not going to eat meat today so that the guys overseas are going to like have more meat. You know, it feels like such a small thing to do that will hopefully have a larger effect on this massive thing that's happening. And before I felt like a little silly that like my podcasting is going to save the world. But now it's like this is this world shattering thing that I guess can be compared on like a historical level to a war or something that that is, you know, it's something that's touching everything so internationally and actually is like devastating. They're like, yeah, I'm going to make a dumb Pokemon podcast for free so that it will help other people because I have the means to do it and I want to. I, I'm not trying to like valorize myself, but like I hope that I'm like contributing to making anybody like feel a little bit better. Yeah, because the one thing the world needs right now is stories that remind us that there is hope. Right. That we're not alone in this. Exactly. That's why, like, I've been working on some of the ideas of my own. And by working on some ideas, I mean staring at a blank piece of paper for longer than I should. Of course. Right. Because <laughs> sometimes it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I... Uh... I'm lucky that I get to play Dungeons and Dragons and like even as the DM like I can come up with a few ideas and then I'll come up with it on the spot depending on what my players tell me it's not just me and the page Uh, though at the same time is like when I was writing next stop I was so frustrated with where my professional life was that like I just kind of like pushed all of my energy into that thing and I ended up writing scripts like 10 scripts in like three weeks but I think that's just like the way my brain works. Like I'd rather, I like being a short order cook of a writer. Like I like turning things out so quickly and it's like a bomb for me. I feel like I have a skill It's like, not only can I write well, I can write fast and like pushing all my energy into that. Like it made me that is happy. A very valuable skill. Thank you. It's something I need to work on. Listen, if you put less pressure on yourself. I mean, First draft, like, I, you spend so much time editing anyway. Like, your first draft can be as shitty as possible. I'm so bad. All all of my first I hate editing, but, like, I know that my first drafts have so many, so many typos. Like, I, I feel like my, my brain works faster than my fingers sometimes. And I just, like, leave out full words and oh, shit. It's so bad. Definitely, definitely. That's what editors are for. I know. Him, me, myself included. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just me in the future and I need to deal with it. I hate, oh, I hate looking at my old writing, but I know that I have to do it. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Your first draft, it needs to be one thing. Written. Yeah. 
It no just one be- needs to see it. You can make it better from there. You just got to write it. Otherwise, it's not going anywhere. No, I need someone to look at it. I need to be validated and someone to be proud of me that I wrote a thing. <laughs> Like, I don't care how bad it is. Like, I need someone to look at it and be like, this is good. I'll be like, thank you. Uh, please edit it now. Well, hey, if you ever need an editor, I do freelance. I do some freelance editing. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Anyone who's willing to look at this so I don't have to is a good person to know. Yeah, I feel that. I, I can't edit my stuff. I, I, I have the, like, I finished a draft of a story, like, my junior year in high school. And I still can't go back and read it. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to rewrite it. But I'm like, I can't look back at it. I, just, I can't. Well, even then, that that's why I can't look at this stuff. It feels like such a time capsule of a person I was that I no longer am. It's like, you know, you know, they say that, like, your skin sheds, like, so much of you that, like, you're not the same person chemically, atomically that you were, like, a few years ago. I think it's seven years. Yeah, like seven years, right? It's like that's how I feel about my writing. It's like, no, I'm an atomically different person than the person who wrote this. Like that person sucks and they're bad at writing and that's not me. Yeah, I feel that. But you gotta keep writing on something. It's otherwise do you, do you ever kind of feel like if you don't work on your stories, your characters start getting mad at you and go pout in the corner? Oh god. Or is that just me? No, I don't know about writing the scripts. Definitely in scripts, it's like I'm trying to bring them to life. Like they maybe they get bored, but they're not like mad at me. But in Dungeons and Dragons, I definitely feel like they're mad at me because like I know their voices and like I need to embody them. So it's like my Dungeons and Dragons characters definitely get mad at me when I don't play uh, sooner. Well, messing with a campaign idea of my own, which is deals with there's a person called the prophet who has been working to take down the gods except for the party doesn't know how they're related to the prophet because all the party knows is one day they just find themselves standing in a room looking at an old man who's saying like okay so you need to follow these instructions and then a portal opens up and pulls them into hell and they're just standing there like what that sounds that sounds fun i want to play in that I still have a lot of work planned for that one, but I'm very excited if I could ever get that to happen. Mm-hmm. Just because I love telling stories, and that's what I want to do for a living. Well, you, it sounds like you're well on your way. Last question. What is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is looking to start a podcast? What's a piece of advice you wish someone had told you in the beginning? I Can I answer those as separate questions? Yes. So the question, the piece of advice I would give someone if they were trying to start a podcast or do another creative thing is try to stand out from the crowd. I feel like you need to understand what the audio landscape, what the landscape of your creative thing is, and then try to find the thing that makes you unique. Like it could be about you as a person, but it could also be the structure of your show. It could also be like the perspective that you're looking at something. It could be like doing something in a totally different way, but you need to identify that before you start so that you're just kind of like you, how you stand out in the sea of so many other podcasts or creative things out there. The advice that I wish I was given is more like it took a really long time to get someone to believe in me. And like that person was Amanda, who I'm now doing this with and we're running a podcast collective together. So I wish that a piece of advice someone had given me was like, you're good at this. You should keep going. I'm going to help you. And I, I feel like so many people want that, but it's hard. Where do you go and get a mentor? You know? Like they just they're gonna 
are they just going to come out of nowhere? Life struggle. Yes. So I, I wish that I felt like, and I feel, don't feel necessarily that I have that. It's more like everyone are just, everyone's just peers who are kind of working together. No one is like helping you out in this way. So I wish that someone had told me that like what I'm doing is worthwhile and like going to be a job if I was given a piece of advice. That's actually another one of the reasons I created this podcast so people could hear that through people's stories. Also to remind myself that because it's so rough when you're trying to do things on your own and everyone around you is telling you, oh, that's silly. That'll never work. Why don't you get a real job? Yeah, right. Exactly. Or people constantly reminding you, well, you've picked something that's really hard to do and you're like, no, really. It's like, I understand that I'm doing it. Thank you for reminding me of my reality. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out or shameless self-promo, places where we can find stuff? Absolutely. Well, you should listen to all of my podcasts, like Join the Party, like Brianna is going to do immediately after this interview. <laughs> Everyone, we're starting our new campaign tomorrow on Tuesday, and it's going to be just so amazing. You could also uh, listen to Next Stop, which comes out on April 14th. It is an audio sitcom, like in the style of Friends and How I Met Your Mother. And you can listen to Horse if you like basketball and you like to talk about drama just as much. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at E-L underscore Silvero, S-I-L-V-E-R-O. That is my name if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. I tweet a lot, so you should find me there. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. I'm like, that, that makes sense. Yep. I and mean, yeah, that's it. Go multitude. Go listen to Spirits and Potterless and Head Heart Gut and all the other shows that we have on our collective. Well, thank you again for agreeing to do this. This has been a lot of fun and I cannot wait to show this off. Thank you. I hope that you have a good time and your studio is continues to be a fun place to be, even if it's your bedroom. An Incomplete Guide to World Domination is directed and produced by Brianna Toybert as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. Music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.